0: Good morning po. How Can we greet one another? Can we show our best smile to someone? Perhaps the person to your left, person to your right, person in front of you, the person at your back. Lesson, good morning. So if you're here since the first or the second Sunday of April, uh, if you're following us on Facebook, we are having a short uh, month series break in the book of 1st John. And so, since this is the last Sunday of the month, meaning next Sunday when we meet again, it will be the first Sunday of May. So that will be the fifth month of this year. So after another, uh, after three or four weeks, it will be almost half of the year. So that's how time flies so fast. And if you're here for the first time, we are now concluding our study in the first letter of uh, John. And uh, just to recap, just to review what we have learned so far, because we have the first slide. Uh, if you're following us, we had uh, we studied the four signs of an authentic Christian. Well, basically out of 1st John alone. So, Let me remind everyone, let us review these four signs, uh, especially the three and uh, the the other one for today. So first, authentic Christians have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, what theologians call the theological sign. So that's the first sign, that's our study, that's our lesson last, uh, second uh, Sunday of April, that authentic Christians have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're... Christianity is genuine, it is real, it is authentic. It must also mean that you have a real, authentic, and a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's the most basic. And so, in that particular passage, we learned, we studied, and we were reminded of who Jesus is. He is a propitiation of our sins, He is the atoning sacrifice. He saved us, He has forgiven us, and therefore, uh, because He's the, the Son of God. We have to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Second sign would be that authentic Christians love God and not the world. And because we love God, we obey Him. So we don't, uh, well, we hate the world, not the world that God created, not the universe, not the world where Jesus Christ lived, but the world where people, uh, their God and, and their ruler, And their king is none other than Satan. So we reject that system, we reject the the evil and that system and the people whose primary lord and king would be Satan. So authentic Christians love God and because we love God, we must obey His commands. And the third sign would be that authentic Christians love one another. Especially uh, the the co-Christians of brother and sister in Christ. So we have extended this to include our day work. But authentic Christians as a social sign of our, uh, of our Christian Christianity, we love one another. And so that's it was our lesson last Sunday. And so we love one another because of God's love for us. And that God's love is amazing. We have learned that. It's, uh, it's strange, surprisingly strange. It's different from what we know. Many songs were written about God's love. It's amazing. It's deep. It's wide. It's it's great, and it's different. And that love is sure. It's surely authentic. It's sacrificial. It's it's unconditional, and it's transformative. So if you're if you're here and you happen to encounter Christ in a special way, I'm sure your life, your your, your perspective, how you think, how you act, how you talk. They were changed because of that great love. So maybe before you're fearful, but now you're courageous. Maybe before you're having troubles with your with your relationship with your spouse or with your parents, but now because of that love you have received from God, uh, it has transformed you to be more loving and more understanding as well. If you're here and and, and uh, uh, you had problems like you, you don't know your purpose in life, maybe when you encountered Christ love of Christ, you now have a purpose in that. So that such is the, the, the kind of love of God that has the power to transform us. And as we share this to others, it also has the power to transform them as well. And so those are the three signs. That today, uh, before we go to our main lesson, let me just give you the fourth sign of an authentic Christian. That's authentic Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and this indwelling, this relationship the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding in a real Christian manifests as a fruit, so this is what uh, we can call as the transformational sign, so once you, uh, you you have the personal relationship with Christ your life has been transformed, or slowly being transformed so before you are addicted to a particular substance now you're not so much affected. So not so much. Uh, yeah, if you're struggling in a sin, now maybe you hate that sin and you're not you don't want to commit that sin anymore. So there's this transformation. This is where this this objective uh, uh, illustration in your life, picture that your life is being changed. And is now changed. So that's the transform. And let me let me just give you some passages uh, that we have read and studied, and maybe we did not um, uh, because of due to lack of time. Uh, we emphasis on this, like in First John chapter two, verse twenty. But you have an anointing from the Holy One the Holy Spirit, and you all know. I have written, not written to you because you do not know the truth, because you do not know it, and because no lie is of the truth. So, John spoke of the Holy Spirit as an anointing. And then, um, also in the same chapter, verse 27, as for you, the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you. This anointing that you receive from God is none other than the Holy Spirit, Okay, and. Also in other passages, like in chapter 3, verse 9, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. Uh, most of the scholars would agree that the seed here is not just the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit that is planted in a person. And so, the seed abides in that person, and he cannot sin because he is now born of God. 1 John 3, 24 also says, the one who keeps his commandments abide in him and he in him. And we know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Pertaining to the Holy Spirit that is given to a Christian who humbly receives God, repents of sins, and is now having a real relationship with Christ. 1 John 4, verse 4, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He, we sang this a while ago, who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater is He. The word He here pertains to the Holy Spirit. Greater is the Holy Spirit who is in you than the spirit, Satan, the devil who is in the world. Not the whole universe. But the world where he is, oh, Satan, is the ruler and the king. So greater is the Holy Spirit is in you. And that You are from God and we have overcome them. And in 1 John chapter 4, in the context still of Holy Spirit, by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. So God gives to us the Holy Spirit. And this is a sign especially as the Holy Spirit manifests. As, as we love, as we experience joy, as we experience peace, and as we uh, manifest goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control as fruit, then we can be sure, we can know that the Spirit is in us and we are real. And so these are the four signs of authentic Christians. And we can learn more of this uh, in the Word of God. And uh, let's just pause for a while before we continue. Our Heavenly Father, we just submit to you this time. We ask that as we listen, as we read, as we study, as we meditate, even Lord, as we, as we apply. guide us and that your name alone be lifted up. Your name alone, God, be praised and be glorified. Give us, Lord, the ability to understand and the power to apply your word and change our mindsets, our perspectives, our lives, not for our own selves, but for your glory alone. In Christ's name we all pray. Amen. Amen. And so for this morning, our, our passage is in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. And this would now pertain to the reward of an authentic Christian. The authentic Christians have eternal life. Now, before we continue, let me just remind everyone the context of 1 uh, John. 1 John context of of 1st John. Remember John wrote this when he was already old. He wrote this to Christians who were scattered and persecuted because of the uh, destruction of Jerusalem. And so because they're scattered, uh, they're vulnerable, and and they are uh, uh, prone to false teachers and false teachings. And so because of this, uh, the Apostle John would write, to them a letter to encourage them and also to defend the Christian faith and as he does this amazingly he gives a contrast between the real and a false Christian and so he gives this this uh, clear contrast about the false teachers uh, he calls them those who do not keep his commandments uh, and uh, liars he calls them the Antichrist uh, the truth is not in them They're called children of the devil. They are from the world, meaning from the world where Satan is the king. And they do not practice righteousness, meaning they hate or they do not love their brother or their sister. So they're called murderers. They're called idolaters. As we have read in the last uh, verse of chapter 5, little children, guard yourselves from idols. So this is what John is telling them to be careful of these people, to, to to run away from them. Why? These people, they don't have eternal life. Well, they have eternal life in that sense, but their life would be spent for eternity in suffering and in death, meaning they are separated, they are away from God. So these are the people who will try to lie to them, we will try to to uh, affect them and influence them uh, and further uh, harm them and uh, and in our time today we have to be careful of them as well. And so on the other side, he would give now a picture of what an authentic Christian is all about. So it's about fellowship with God, so if you have a personal relationship, a fellowship with God which doesn't stop Day or on a Sunday, it's a continuous, it's growing, it's a real relationship with God and with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. He calls them little children as a word of affection, as an endearment. Children of God, they are the ones who walked in the same manner as Jesus walked and then the walks in the light, not in the darkness. They love their brother and their sister. They do not love the world nor the things in this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The one who does the will of God calls them forgiven because of, uh, they have overcome the evil one. And they're the ones who knows God. They are strong. You are strong. And the word of God abides in them. The Holy Spirit abides in them. So therefore, they practice righteousness and they love their brothers and their sisters so yeah, we, we now have a clear picture of what a real and what a fake Christian is all about as he writes this letter to them so that is the context, remember he's writing a, a defense letter and also uh, reminding them of their position in Christ next please, and so as we continue having said that, next please um, in 1 John 2, verse 25, there is this promise that John wrote, which God Himself made to all of us, including them primarily. as uh, He addresses this to them originally, and that promise is eternal life. Eternal life. Have you come to that point in your life where you have pondered and thought of and really spent time thinking of what happens when our life, our earthly life, our physical life here on earth ends. Have you ever came to that moment in your life? Maybe before going to sleep. Or maybe you are in a dangerous situation, a life and death situation. Or maybe you're just Hanging around and you don't, you're not doing anything. You just suddenly, you just think of, oh man, oh what happens to me after my life here on earth ends? So the Bible tells us there is life after death. And by the way, this life, uh, time is not of essence, although it's eternal life. Meaning time here becomes irrelevant. Because it's eternal. So it's not anymore uh, related to hours, minutes, days, years. It's eternity. It's, it's eternal. It's, the, the, the concept of time here becomes irrelevant. That's why eternal life is not always related to quantity. Not a quantity of how much uh, eternity or, or life is there. It's more of quality. And eternal life is always attached. The center of eternal life is, is not the time. It's not also the place, by the way. Although we know it's in heaven, or at least it's in a good place. But it's always centered on a person. Eternal life is about a person. So let's, let's continue. Eternal life begins with new birth. Eternal life begins with new birth. So the first point I'd like to submit to us this morning is that new birth happens when a person enters into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. Some call, would call this as the second birth. Absolutely. They call this born again. Born again, by the way, is not a religion. It's not a denomination. It's it's a truth. It's an idea. It's a concept that we who have us who have all of us who have a personal relationship with christ will now have a regeneration, a second birth that is what uh, nicodemus and jesus will talk about in john chapter 3 nicodemus uh, a religious leader would ask and uh, you cannot understand how can i be born again so this is not being born again to our biological earthly parents but being born of God so new birth happens when a person enters an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ how? by faith right. so this Is this not becoming a, a fetus again and uh, entering your mother's womb and being born a second time this new birth is received by faith in verse 1 of chapter 5, 1st John. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born not of his or her parents, but now of God. This is a new birth. This is a second birth. The first birth, uh, the original birth, is a sinful birth. we born from our sinful earthly parents, but this time it's a different kind of birth. It's a spiritual kind of birth. And so, whoever believes by faith that Jesus is the Christ is now born of God. And this new birth happens when you believe, when you enter that authentic relationship with Christ. Let's look at verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. Uh, it's by faith now the faith here is not uh, faith on faith it's not a uh, faith that is blind it is faith in Jesus Christ This is faith in Christ Jesus that what he did on the cross is enough let's look at verse uh, 5 do we have the, the passage for verse 5 uh, verse 5 it says who is the one who overcomes the world who is the one who overcomes the world he who believes. He who believes. He who has faith. On what? Faith on faith. Faith on who? Faith who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And so, new birth happens when a person enters into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. The second point is that new birth manifests as an authentic love for God through obedience and also love for his children. So, it comes naturally with that relationship with Jesus Christ. As we are now reconciled with God the Father, it manifests this new birth. This eternal life manifests as an authentic love for God through obedience and love for His children. Verse 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, that is born of God, and whoever loves the Father, loves the child born of him now the child here may pertain to jesus as his child or it may also pertain to his children as the context in verse 2 by this we know that we love the children of god when we love god and observe his commandments so it's like a 360 degree turn yes it's like a verse that would complete it's like two sides of the point is complete and then in verse 3 For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. That is how we manifest, that is how we express our love for God when we keep His commandments through obedience. And these commandments are not burdensome. Uh, The word burden here, the word burdensome here is closely related to what Matthew would write about the yoke of God. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So the word burden here is related to the commandments that are not burdensome. Instead, they are a blessing. They are, they are a blessing to us. It will bless us. It will make our, our life fulfilled and satisfied and happy and joyful and complete. And therefore, His commandments are not burdensome. Third, new birth results to victory. New birth his second birth results to victory. Victory over what? Victory over sin and eternal separation in hell. So let's look at verses 4 to 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Oh, the world we have studied, what the, 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 the meanings of the world. The world here is the world that pertains to the world where Satan is the king. No? So we have overcome that. The world that is sinful. We have overcome that. And this is the victory. In other translation, they use the conquering power. And the word victory, because sometimes it uh, dilutes the, the, the meaning of the, the, the real the real word. But the, the original would, would mean the conquering power. The conquering power that has overcome the world. And who is that conquering power? And what is that conquering power? And what is that victory that is talking about here? That is related to our faith. Next please, verse 5. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes. This This is the conquering power. Where faith must, our faith must rest upon that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. That's where the conquering power, that's where the victory lies. He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's a faith that is not blind, that's a powerful kind of faith. A faith that saves, a faith that gives us the power to conquer and overcome this world. Which brings us to the second point, that eternal life is made possible none other than by the, gra- the grace of God. But God's grace through The grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we are saved. It's not by our own good works that we can boast of them. And so eternal life is made possible by God's grace. You know the word grace? It's something that we receive that we don't even deserve at all. Oh, love is well, love is being accepted. Um, mercy is uh, being freed from the consequence of sin. Now, grace is not only being loved, it's not only being accepted, it's not only being freed from sin, it's all of those and receiving eternal life, which we don't deserve altogether. It's it's we, we don't deserve it. it's by grace. In verse six, this is the one who came by water and blood. It's talking of Jesus Christ. Uh, it is through him that eternal life has been made possible, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. The word water here and blood are symbols. The word water would would symbolize the, you know the baptism, the power of uh, in, the, in the in during baptism. There's this. Their, their, their idea is that uh, the Holy Spirit descends on you. You, know? so you can always see this in some pictures, uh, pictures of baptism. And there's this dove you know, which represents the Holy Spirit. And so the water here represents that kind of uh, power that, that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. But the people, uh, the opponents, uh, the, the liars, the false teachers, uh, the, the antichrist, they're saying... That Jesus came only with water. He only came with with that kind of power. But shine is reminding that only water, but water and blood. Meaning it's it's also the sacrificial death of Jesus. Well, maybe because perhaps they don't believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and so they're just saying it's water only. But John is saying, no, it's not not water, only it's water and also the sacrificial death of Jesus. And then he further says, it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And then he will go on by saying, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. So the Spirit here is the life that the person receives through Christ. So you receive the eternal life, of the Spirit. And then the water represents the, the, the cleansing power, the forgiving power of Jesus that will cleanse us from all our iniquities, all our sins. And then the blood is the power of His salvation. And so by these three, life, forgiveness of sin, and salvation through the blood of Christ, all of these three are in agreement. It's not only new life, uh, and it's not only uh, uh, cleansing and forgiveness of sin, it's new life, forgiveness of sin, and salvation. All of these three are in agreement. Verse 8, If receive the testimony Of men, meaning uh, like John the Baptist and other, maybe apostles or other men, uh, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this that He has testified concerning His Son. What is this testimony of God that is greater than testimony of men? Verse ten: The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in Himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. So what is this testimony again? Verse 11. And the testimony is this. God has given. Let's read this all together. Is the key verse in this particular chapter. Let's read this all together. One, two, three, go. Eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. You may want, if you have your Bibles, you may want to highlight, to underline the word God has given. God has given eternal life. It's not something that we earn or we can earn and we can work for. It is not something that we can can pay for and, and bargain for. It is a gift of God it is something that God only can give not ourselves, not from ourselves not from anyone else, but only from God, it's God's grace it's only made possible by His grace through His Son Jesus Christ God has given us eternal life and this life eternal life Which, by the way, starts the moment you enter into that relationship with Christ. some may, may, may falsely think, that eternal life is something that we can have when we die. Yes, that's part of it. But it's also something that we have right now, the moment you trust in God. You have it right now. Eternal life, you have it right now. God has given us eternal life. And this life is not in time. It's not in heaven. It's not a place. Not, a, not about quantity. It's in His Son. And you can enjoy, you can enjoy Christ. You can enjoy this relationship. You can enjoy this eternal life with, with, with God, with Jesus Himself as you journey in life. So maybe your life, right now, you're experiencing a difficult situation. If you have eternal life and you're sure eternal life. It's something that is, yes, it's, it's challenging, it's difficult, but you have Jesus to join you with you. You have Christ to walk with you along the way. You have Him with you. You have eternal life, and this life is in Him. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not, in contrast, have the Son of God does not have the life. That is a good measuring verse whether we have eternal life or not. Eternal life is found in Christ alone. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that we will not have false assurances so that we can be sure, so that we can know for sure We have eternal life, brother, sister. If you are here today, and you are not yet sure of that eternal life that the Bible is talking here—a life that is that is not just a place or, or or time, but a life in Christ, a relationship with Christ. Can we just bow down our heads and just as pause as I sense maybe some of us right now here haven't have not yet received and repented of their sins and believed in Christ. There are three things you can do right now. First, to acknowledge that you're a sinner and so you need a Savior and therefore you must repent of your sins. Second, you must believe in Jesus Christ what He did is enough for us to be saved and third, to confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior maybe through a short prayer that you can do right now before God in all humility you can surrender You can ask, you can ask for forgiveness, and you can invite Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, and start a new life, and receive that eternal life that God wants you to have today. Our Heavenly Father, we admit that we are sinners, and we cannot save ourselves. Forgive us of our sins. Jesus, we invite you in our hearts. Be the center, be our Lord, be our master, be the Savior of my life. I confess that you are Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, my Lord. That apart from you, I cannot do anything. Thank you for eternal life that I now receive. Thank you for the reconciliation with you, Lord. And thank you even for the Holy Spirit that you have given to those who have trusted you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we continue, next please. In John 17 verse five, this is eternal life. This is how Christ would, would define eternal life that they may know you in his prayer before God, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ who you have said. The word know here is not an academic form of knowing. Thank you for praying for me. Uh, Yesterday I received, uh, I was formally uh, given the opportunity to walk before the stage and be given a, a symbol of finishing Um, uh, our Master in Hospital Administration through a graduation ceremony. Thank you for for your prayers. I'm not able to do this without the Lord, of course, and without your support. And so, it's not an academic knowing like, I know this stuff, I already know this, I've read this, I've studied this, but it's a knowing that is connected to a relationship with Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And this eternal life is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we can now be assured that as authentic Christians, we have eternal life. Now the last point that the Apostle John would would like to share with us is that authentic Christians, because we have a relationship now with the Lord are, we can be confident that our prayers if they are according to God's will will be answered 20 Christians are confident of answered prayers that are according to God's will we will give a specific uh, example of this In verse 14 as we end with this this is the confidence which we have before him that we ask if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. Now, let's be reminded of the context. The context here is that the persecuted Christians, perhaps because of the persecution, because of the hardship, of being far from their family or being away from Jerusalem or being far from one another, they're experiencing these challenges along the way. They have these false teachers, these false teachings that are, being thrown to them. They are being given to them and and taught to them. And so because of this, maybe, perhaps, some of them are starting to fall. And some of them are committing, well, sins, unrighteousness. But remember, they are already saved. They are their brothers and sisters. They are talking here to to the brethren as we continue. If anyone sees his brother, committing a sin not leading to death. He shall ask, meaning you can pray for that brother and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. What is this life? This is not eternal life. Remember, the moment you receive Christ, the moment you trusted on Him, you receive eternal life. So it's not something that God will take away from you when you sin and then pray for it. Well, again, that God will give you. No, it's not that new life. It's not that salvation. It's not eternal life. It's a second chance in life. Uh, as I am, maybe, maybe in our context today, as we apply this, we have a brother or a sister, for example. Uh, short of salvation, truly repented and, and living life that is pleasing before God, and because of, let's say, a problem, a situation that arises, he or she may have fallen and may have committed a sin and righteousness, which will not lead to death or eternal separation from God because he's already saved, she's already saved, but because of that, his or her relationship before the Lord or before other people may have been affected. And so what we need to do as brothers and sisters, we are to pray for that person, for those persons, that they will be given another chance. Maybe their, their name will be dated, or they, uh, they they will be uh, thought of someone who is uh, not a Christian anymore or something to that effect. Maybe they're brought into prison, or maybe they're charged with a, a case, And because of that, people may think of them as not Christians. No, they're Christians, but we need to pray for them so that they, their integrity, their their life, they, they have a second chance again in life. Because there is a sin leading to death. And this sin is if you outrightly reject Christ. You are an antichrist, you reject Christ, no? That's an outright, it's like a death sentence already to, to you to yourself. And that's the sin that will lead you directly to hmm, lake of fire. I do not say that we should make a request for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there's a sin leading to death. Next please. As, as John ends with, with the following verses: We know that the one who is born of God sins, yes, but he who was born of God Keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. This assurance we have that even though we sin, it's unrighteousness, our our relationship with God and others can be affected. Since we are born of God and the evil one cannot touch us, verse 19, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And he adds at the okay. end, little children, guard yourselves from idols. This is in the context of false teachers who's teaching that you can put your faith on things, on, on other people anyone except from christ except from god then that's idolatry so we must be careful as well so not only we are to pray for our brothers and sisters not only we are to guard ourselves from false teachers by the way how can we guard ourselves from false teaching number one we can study the word of god by ourselves we have the holy spirit to help us second if we're having a difficult time we can ask someone perhaps a person who is more mature in faith to help us interpret to help us uh, study the Bible and help us lead on how to study the Bible you can join a growth group or you can have someone to mentor us or coach us not only we can do those things as application but the best of all that I can leave with you this morning as we wrap everything up is to live out a victorious and authentic Christian life live out victorious and authentic Christian life. As you here's the challenge among the body of Christ. Number one, we don't know who they are. Meaning those who are part of the body of Christ. Just try walking uh, in a station, bus station or an airport or in a school. As you look upon people you don't know which of them are children of God, right? mentioned before, maybe a person who has many tattoos could be a Christian, could be a child of God, and a person who is decent looking could be someone who is fake or unreal, and so as you walk as you walk, you don't know who they are and you only know them if you well, basically you hear them maybe sing praise and worship Christian songs, maybe you see them pray before eating maybe you you see them uh, do something that is related to Christianity. So you may think, oh, that's, uh, the person is a Christian, or that person belongs to the body of Christ. If you live out that kind of life, that kind of lifestyle, that's how a life works. That's how salt would work. A light works, would work not when it is hidden it works when it is exposed. And so let us live out, brothers and sisters, this kind of life as we end this short month series on authentic Christian life. Let's live out a life that centered on Christ. And it is seen in our lives. The way we talk, the way we speak, the way we deal with others, the way we conduct business, the way we the way we work. As employees and also as employers, the way we study, the way we treat, the way we relate to others, it is seen in us. Not by the words alone, but by the deeds and the work that we do. Shall we all stand as we close in prayer? Thank you, Lord, because you do not leave us with nothing, with no assurance, with no clear picture of what you want us to be and how you want us to be. Thank you, Lord, for your word. You have revealed your purpose for us and in us and through us you have revealed Lord your heart and your desire for us you want us to enjoy eternal life you blessed us Lord with eternal life and you want us to experience (laughs) this for a lifetime an ending of blessing and goodness and whatever Lord that are in store for us that we at this point may not be able to conceive, to understand because our minds, our thoughts are limited we can only define things we can only think of things, on how we see things. But Thank you because you have revealed for us what you want us to have. And so Lord, give us the strength as you have given us the Holy Spirit, as we have overcome already this world. Give us, Lord, the strength, the wisdom, the opportunity to live out this kind of life that you want for us. A real, a genuine, an authentic, a growing, a transforming, a different kind of life. Lord, as we imagine, That if every one of us would live according to your standards, what a wonderful world we would have. And thank you, Lord, because you have revealed your desire, your intent, not only through your written word, but also through your Son, Jesus Christ. That we can enjoy eternal life in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, allow us to realize, allow us, Lord, to even just for a small portion, just be able to grasp and understand what we have in you. I'm sure, Lord, this will Cause us to naturally worship you. This will cause us to naturally give thanks and praise you. And this, this, this Lord will naturally allow us to share to others as well. And this will cause us, Lord, to just naturally be seen in us. so Lord, thank you because you are a good God, you are a merciful God, and you are a loving and gracious God. And thank you because it's all about you, it's not about us. And we can always enjoy and and experience this kind of life that even right now we can have. As Lord, as a response, allow us to love you more, to love you with all our hearts, our soul, our strength, with everything that we have as well. Allow us also, Lord, to share this love to others as a response. May this cause us to to fear you and to love you and to share you as well to those who are in need of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. Give us, Lord, opportunities. Give us the courage. Give us, Lord, the boldness to share to them what we have learned, what we are learning on our own or or maybe as we study the Bible. Allow us to share this to someone. And even, Lord, as we sing this last song, May we declare that indeed you are a good God, you are a loving God, you are a merciful and gracious God, and you want us to be the same. So Lord, dismiss us with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this day. In Jesus' name.